Welcome to Kafaru Cast. Hopefully nobody out there listening in has the coronavirus. I have uh, two very good friends, longtime bow hunters, and uh, guys with uh, a lot of knowledge that you should probably listen to on the podcast today, and that's uh, Denny Sturgis and Randy Cooling, a combined age of 142 years old. Thanks for coming on, guys. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, How you doing, man? Good, good. So you guys combined, how much hunting experience together do you guys have? I got like 40, 47 years now, something like that, 45, 47. Since I, since I started hunting deer, you know, bow hunting deer, I don't count all the running around as a little kid shooting at rabbits in the backyard and stuff like that. Denny started before me. I know that. He was hunting deer before I was. Yeah, I, uh, first year I hunted was uh, 1972. I was negative five. Is that bad? <laughs> well, uh, Denny, you recently, I don't know if you got liquored up or got pissed off, but you've posted photos for about 30 days straight of uh, of trad kills. What what instigated that? Oh, just a, a couple of comments on there about how trad guys just uh, hunt with trad equipment cause to look cool and dress uh, so you look neat. and They never really kill anything or do anything hunting-wise, so I just... Wanted to get all my stuff there and on uh, Instagram, so. Uh, well, it was like reading "Gone with the Wind." How many how many photos did you post? How many how many animals do you think uh, that you've taken down with a with a stick bow? I'm sure it's over 400, but I I'm not even I'm not I've never kept track anymore. Yeah, it's qu- quite a few. What um, I mean, between the two of you, not to bring up old stuff, but uh, Randy has a bit of a problem with doll sheep, and uh, Denny has gotten one. <laughs> <laughs> but do you have a brown bear, Denny? No. Okay. Nope. Well, see, that's kind of a tie because Randy's got one. How many times did you go, Denny, before you got a doll sheep? <laughs> that, that's mean. <laughs> I got it on the first trip. I got lucky. <laughs> well, I just, but how many and, times did and you? He wouldn't have went, he wouldn't have went except I booked a hunt. And he called me up and asked me if there's any openings because I'd had it long booked. And I made a phone call that night and got it got him lined up and everything and he went and uh then he gets to whack one you guys went with the lancasters right you went with clay and jim yep yeah up in the leards excellent place to hunt neater than hell yeah well uh let's hear the story denny what happened i've heard three versions so i want to hear the truthful one <laughs> okay well i was hunting with uh brody cardinal was my guide a young young guy in uh we kept going after rams every day. We saw them every day, but we'd, try, we'd get over there, and it was like a five-hour one-way hike, and they would disappear on us. We went across this, you know, the backside of the Liards is, is cliff-like, and we, we did that one day, and I was like, I never want to do that again because I've never been more scared. On day eight, we saw them again. We were going to move camp, and I, I was glassing one way, and he, and he was glassing the other way, and I saw those three rams again, and I, I ran down, and I said, they're there again. So we didn't move camp. We went over there, and we had to get there fast, and he wanted to go across that backside again, and we did it again, and I hated that. I'd take my bow right apart, stick, stick it in my pack so I could have all my hands and stuff. Anyway, we scooted over there. They were gone again, and he climbed up high and there was a little grassy bowl up on top that you couldn't see from anywhere else and they were all there so he signaled and i snuck over there and, and uh pop up and it's i didn't carry a rangefinder back then but i had a, a face walk plan but uh i figured it was 50 yards i said man i'd like to get closer and uh, he's like 
okay, but you are going to shoot an arrow today, right? And I'm like, yeah. So we, <laughs> we, we flip around and we sneak in and get, it should have gained 10 yards and they had moved. So they're still 50 yards. So I pulled up and, and uh, shot and, and shot low. And uh, I figured it was 50, but he, uh, Brody had hit it with head of range finder with him, which I didn't know. And he goes, 57. Ah! And he does this real loud noise. The thing stops, turns broadside, looks back at us, and the arrow pinwheels out there. And he just turned red right on his heart and fell off, off a rock. And that was, uh, that was a sore. Did you have shit running down both legs when you hit it? I couldn't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was just, I was just, uh, I was tired. I was out of shape. I wasn't in, in prepared for that. And it's like, you know, to survive. And then that, when that did, all my legs gave out. And uh, Brody's like, you fucking smoked him. And he was all excited. And it was, it was, it was really neat. Beautiful animal. No, that's, that's cool. I, um, Clay, he's got one of your longbows, I think, because I shot it when I was, was at his house. This was way before I picked up a, a stick bow. And, um, you know, he said, do you know Denny? I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I know him. I said, I, I don't know him really well, but I, I said, I certainly know of him more than know him. And he, he, he told me that you had killed one up there. And then, uh, and I think that was in 2014. Cause when I, it was when I was up in the NWT, whenever that was. And, uh, yeah, he, he was like, he, he had nothing but good things to say about you, but Randy, you're on your fourth trip or fifth, not to bring up bad Heading stuff. To- Heading to number five this August, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see red on the side of the dog <laughs> right now. I, God damn. Is this your uh, nemesis I, I animal? Haven't, I haven't fired an arrow yet. You know, I'm going to have to get that attitude that I'm shooting no matter what or something. I don't know. Uh, it's been rough. The last one I finally got, I finally got close, fairly close, but it was uh, the ram was in, about an inch too short. In Alaska, they got to be full coral or eight years old and the one got up came up we got up on it and it was only seven years old and it was an inch short of full curl so uh and that one i could have got real close i got to within 50 but there was no point we had it aged and there was no point trying to get any closer and he was in a perfect spot gonna walk under a ledge and uh, i was gonna be able to just get right up on top of him you know and get a decent shot but so that 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 right there gave me enough will to go back and do it again. The other, on the, on the other three hunts, I was in the Northwest territories and the closest I got was, uh, ever was 75 yards. I think, uh, two or three times I got within that 75 yard, 80 yard range. Uh, the, the very first time that I didn't get one, a grizzly bear, the last day, grizzly bear come running down. We were on nine rams and chased them off and, uh, just stuff like that. I've had happen, you know, yeah. uh, kind of bad luck. But uh, uh, I plan on persevering. You know, the, the the more it goes on, I get almost get more drive to do it. You know, than get down about it. I hate to lose. Yeah. You know? What What would you guys say each each one of you individually? What would you say uh, like top three hunts that you look back on that you wish you could do every year, or or maybe like your your top one or two, and then maybe your top one or two that you really never ever ever want to do again. I tell you, I love that sheep hunting. I love crawling out of a tiny tent in the morning and crawling into it at night and uh, on those backpack hunts and stuff. Unfortunately, you know, it hasn't worked out. Uh, mountain goat hunting is, for me and where I've been, it's a lot rougher. And uh, I'm not a big fan of hunting down in Cordova. And I know you were down there and stuff, too. That's, that's the roughest place I've ever hunted in southern Alaska for goats. But 
any of that kind of hunting I really love. But uh, for me, probably the pinnacle is shooting a grizzly bear and shooting a brown bear with with my recurve and getting close to them. And and it's a lot of fun. And uh, if I didn't have them, I'd probably still go and be going after them. But it's it's enough money and stuff that you know I need to spend at other places because all that stuff has just gotten crazy uh, for going after. Gotcha. What about you, Denny? I guess I really like to go hunting where there's no other hunters. So it doesn't really like Cape Buffalo hunting. There's no other hunters going up and hunting with uh, the Lancasters and NWT. There's no other hunters. I I just like to go places where I don't have civilization and other idiots around and and just really have a wilderness experience. I guess is more important than even the animal. Gotcha. Is there anything that sticks out in your mind where you you know if you had to pick one or two that you'd want to do over and over and over? Obviously, money not a consideration. Uh, definitely Cape Buffalo every, every summer would be great. I like, they're, they're big and they're stockable and they're dangerous. And it's, again, it's remote. Anything where you can go. I love deer hunting, elk. I, I love it all. But I think it's, if you can just be left alone and go hunting is almost more important than anything. So the circumstances, I guess, would factor in. Yeah. Oh yeah, I get that. And it's getting harder and harder to do in the lower 48 physically wise i i cannot out hike the (laughs) the other hunters anymore i used to be able to and now you're just gonna hike to the other end of the wilderness before you you know you're not gonna out hike anyone anymore there's just too many too many people here and that's one thing that's nice in the territories or the yukon is where here if you see a good animal one of the major oh issues you may have is other hunters where up there you can wait it out. You don't have to worry about another hunter blowing something out where, where you, that is definitely consideration in the lower 48 is, is hunting pressure. There's, there just is none up there, which is, which is super nice. There's also a price tag to, you know, to go along with it. But I mean, there's, you know, I was up there helping and I mean, there was like electricians and pipe fitters and guys that would pay it off over. Well, Jake Downs, a good example. A lot of the hunts he does, he'll, he'll pay off for four or five or three or four years. And in fact, I booked a hunt with clay for 2021 and I'm, I'm starting to make payments now <laughs> to, to go on a doll hunt. Cause I'd like to shoot one with my uh, stick. But by the way, if I do, Randy, you'll probably never hear the end of that. If uh, I get one first try. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. It's, I don't know. I've gotten, gotten used to it. Kind of. I don't know. You've brought it up more than you need to. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I would imagine you're probably ready to punch me at sometimes. It, um, <laughs> It's uh it's it's weird how you get one specific animal that ends up being kind of a nemesis no matter how much you try or what you do. And and that's exactly why I always tell everybody when they go on a hunt, you, if it's something you haven't hunted, shoot the first legal thing you can or not don't set your sights too high because it always seems like after you shoot the first one, they get easier after that for some reason. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can see that. Well, and you guys since you guys have been doing this for, you know, for so long, not to change channels too much here but what have you guys seen that like the change you know and and i'm talking big picture meaning you know when you guys started there was some print magazines and and you guys have both um written i guess denny you've written way more than 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 randy randy you haven't written it quite as much as denny no i haven't really done anything and and that's how i first saw denny or, or 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 you know i would see articles that you've written what have you guys seen that has changed the most over the last couple decades, you know, as far as in the outdoor industry and in traditional archery, you know, both good and bad? I think the biggest thing anymore is, and you and I have kind of talked on this before, is 
is the ease of people getting into stuff where, you know, I started elk hunting in 1981 when you had a plastic piece of PVC notched out and you hold your end over the bottom and the sound was almost a, just a, you know, whether you're trying to get elk to scream with that and, uh, everything that, you know, and then that people started using Turkey calls pretty much shortly after that. And, and that, but anymore, it's just, there was, there was not the information and to learn and to hear other people call and, and stuff like that. It just can, I don't, I don't want to say it really makes you an instant hunter because you really got to get out there and experience, but it, it cuts down the timeline so much. I mean, what I learned in the first 20 years of elk hunting, you can get online now and find and watch in one night from people whether you retain it and use it correctly and, and you still got to learn how to read the animals when you see them. It's just, it's just crazy how fast you can learn stuff now. Gotcha. What about you, Danny? I think the quality of the hunting is, I guess, is what I see. I used to like to go out west and hunt, and we didn't see that many people. There was hardly anybody. Boy, last few times I went out there, it was very disappointing. It, it just wasn't, it's not fun. I have more, I have more privacy at home hunting uh, whitetails because there's while there's people around me we're not hunting the same piece of property and I can get a little solitude so I think the and like you brought it up earlier the lower 48 pretty tough to get some uh, privacy on especially on public ground yeah back back in the 80s uh, you could you could hike two miles in get up in the morning do a quick two miles and you weren't going to see anybody you could you'd be back there elk hunting I'm talking now and not run into anybody or hear anybody or anything and now you just you just never know. In fact, if you're if you're on over the counter areas, because I've never really got to hunt a good draw area yet, but over the counter areas, you're just gonna plan on running into somebody, or or if you hear an elk in the distance, you're sitting there going back and forth. Was that an elk? Nah, maybe, maybe not. You know, and you're you're fighting yourself just over that because you just it's just so hard to tell. You got to count on running into people. Gotcha. What about uh, like social media? Do you think that's been a positive or negative or a little of both? Like, obviously, it's not going away. Uh, that's for sure. And uh, I know you guys are both on social media now. What do you guys see with that and uh, the pros and cons? Well, one of the pros is a lot of a lot of good information, and the, one of the cons is there's a lot of bad information. And if you're not smart enough to figure it out, it, man, I feel sorry for people because it's it's there's no way to figure it out if you don't know yeah my my biggest thing is when somebody asks something and i make fun of this all the time is they'll get on there and say well i've never done that but and then they start going into a big thing about it you know it's just it's so common yeah that is that is very common one of the things that uh you know and you got to try to stay somewhat PC and neutral or whatever and not, you know, come off too much of a pecker would. But, you know, some of the info that that's out there and, and you know, in the case like just so people know, um, you know, Denny uh, started Traditional Vision Quest, which the videos I, I highly suggest everybody to get on to Traditional Vision Quest, to order the videos. You know, as far as one, there some of them are funny. Uh, and then obviously they're also very informational. And, and, and Randy owns safari tough which they make great products from quivers and finger tabs and things like that so having said that like traditional vision quest has been out for a long time lots of great info and then now there's so much info out there and some of that info 
is good. This is coming from a relative greenhorn. I've only been doing this for four years, but you know, I know how to kill shit and, and I knew a lot about shooting from my, my compound days. So when I see, I kind of compare it to if you ever get a trainer and, uh, both Randy and Denny, I think Denny you used to be a bodybuilder, didn't you? I used to spend time at the gym. I wasn't an official bodybuilder. You were a big I, motherfucker. I, I know that. Yeah, you were stout. <laughs> you mean you still are, but you guys both know fitness. And if you go to see a personal trainer, there's some personal trainers that will feed you with a fire hose and have you standing on BOSU balls and doing curls and all kinds of crazy shit. So you feel so compelled that you have to have them as a trainer or you'll be lost without them. There's a few guys specifically that I see nowadays that are giving out info that is so confusing that you're probably going to get target panic or kind of like slapping a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. The end goal is probably not going to be fixed. It's just a Band-Aid. I recently saw something, some dude was talking about breathing through your nose and when your larynx tickles or something to fire your arrow. I highly doubt with a 320 bull coming in screaming his head off you're going to feel your throat tickle to know to fire a shot and I, i'm like people ask me these things and i'm like well go to the guys that have been doing it for a long time and get info from them and, and which obviously would be would be you two denny when you started with a traditional vision quest i mean your goal was just to get good info out there i'm, I'm assuming right yeah it was so traditional was so traditional back then if you watch it, how we did them the first two were basically just uh, on individuals in, in uh, their style, their st type of bow. We didn't get real deep. Number three was the best one, I felt, for instruction. But if we had came out with that first, I don't think, I think it would have been uh, unacceptable by the community at that time. But we introduced these things slowly, and people started string walking them more and, and aiming more and going back to things that they the old target guys did and killed more deer back then it seemed like than they do now so it, yeah it's you got to we had to do it in state in a different stages or it wouldn't have been accepted you know with with newcomers coming into um you know archery uh traditional archery specifically um when you when you get online i'm not saying all of it's bad info because it's certainly not but you get a lot of different views and perspectives and, and things like that. And, and it can be really confusing. And the, and the bad part of that is, is, and you guys both know, I mean, we've all dealt with target panic or, or issues of shooting. You get started down the wrong path. It can be hard to, to break that chain and come back around. And I think good form is the, that's the foundation of success. Once you have good form, the likelihood of, of getting target panic is, is quite a bit less and i mean do you guys agree with that there's no substitute for good form no matter what you're doing or or even even to shoot a clicker you can't shoot a clicker right unless you have good form there's just there's just no substitute and the thing about it is if you're starting out there's no substitute as far as i'm concerned for not having a for having a coach the bad thing about it is, and I can tell you this from firsthand, is no matter you if you have bad habits in that shooting targets, working on your form, having good form, when you get under stress and like you say having a big bull at 20 yards, for some reason, no matter how much you work on your good form, those bad habits come out. 
or can come out very easily. And you revert back to the old way when you're not staying as calm and not thinking every single thing through. So there's, there's the best way to do is just start out learning good, proper archery form. Danny, what do you have to say about that? I agree. And that's like these guys, there's guys out there. They've always been out there. Uh, I'm not going to name names, but as long as I've been in traditional archery, I was in it before it was called traditional archery. They didn't have any compound bows, but there was always some bad information. But it's so easy to figure out if, if the information they are selling or handing out is not based on archery, you know, basic archery principles that everyone knows, then the guy's full of shit. That's, that's, the, that's real easy. You guys um, have been a huge, both of you guys have been a huge help, you know, for me to try to, you know, stay walking down the right path. And when I have uh, issues, although I don't pester you as much as, as, as uh, I don't pester Denny as much as Randy. Uh, Randy has to hear from me almost every morning. Sorry, Randy. But when I have an issue, going to someone that's only been shooting two or three years isn't a horrible thing. But the one thing that you have when you talk to somebody that's been doing it 20, 30, 40 years is you guys have experienced probably every positive and negative thing known to man just because of the the length that that you've done it. And uh, we were talking, Randy and I, the other day, I've been working pretty hard on firing uh, without a clicker, just shooting without a clicker. And and I I shoot better groups by far without a, a triggered release. It's just occasionally I get, uh, I'll get a bad one. And I mean, a really bad one, like an embarrassing, like the, the kind you never post on social media, bad one where, you know, I'll hit it in the ass or something. And I, but overall I'm working about shooting a, a triggerless, basically drawn back and shooting and, and trying to keep, you know, good back tension, you know, or not lose tension with what you guys, with traditional vision quest and both you guys helping people out form is huge. I mean, what would you say some of the other pitfalls guys run into going in more, a little bit more in depth into form? Well, if, if your head is screwed on right, which is probably most people's thing, other than that, I think a lot of, you know, the collapse thing, if, you're, if your back is tight and your elbow is back and it stays there till the arrow leaves the bow, I mean, you can't, can't get a better shot than that. But it's one of the hardest things to do, I think, to keep that back tension. Yeah, oh. That that's my biggest nemesis is doing that, and the and as I shoot more arrows, more arrows, it, for some reason it gets harder and harder for me. And I I shoot with a clicker all the time, but man, without the good form, the clicker just turns into a collapse timer. Yeah, what and, what did you uh, call that? A click to quit? A click to collapse? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's a click to quit, and it's it's just that's that's why there's no substitute for it i mean you can do anything you want but you got to have good form or it's not going to be a good shot you you just you can only trick yourself so long and, you know we always talk about 3 day cures you know and that's maybe maybe changing a tab that feels different you go out and shoot because you have when you do that you have no misconceptions you you feel like oh i'm changing this so so it's no you know i don't expect to shoot that well and you're more relaxed and you do things, and it works really good till about the fourth day, and then all of a sudden you get going back, and, and things start going back to the old way. So there's no quick cures. It's a constant, especially for me. It's 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 a constant battle every day working at it. Um, I've had target panic. I don't remember when I did. I guess is the best thing to say because I I remember having it back in the 80s even, and that, and I've always fought it. Uh, at one time it got so bad that. 
and that was like back in 88, I believe it was. I got so bad, I felt guilty about hunting with my trad bow. And I went and got an 80-pound compound and shot it bare bow and, and uh, fingers and just losing all that weight off because I always shot 70-pound recurves. Just taking all that weight off made a big difference. And I could sit there and aim and hold all day long, and I didn't have it with the compound. If I'd have known better and was a little smarter back then, I just got myself a 45, 50-pound recurve and hunted. Because back then, you know, you only had like probably 40%, 50% let off on compounds. So at 80, I was still holding 40. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's why, you know, and starting out especially having a lighter bow. But because that, that tension, real for some reason, that heavier weight and stuff puts more pressure on you, wanting you to shoot too. Gotcha. What, what have, uh, for both of you guys, how many times have you battled target panic throughout the years? I just battled it this morning. <laughs> <laughs> we went out on the range I had, some, that. <laughs> I had some problems but you know what i can fix them i know what to do well, do you think yeah just ha- having a plan do you do you think uh i always say target panic is like alcoholism where like the first step of fixing it is admitting it because i get a lot of guys that i don't have target panic i don't have target panic and i'm like no you believe me you've got target panic buddy like just own up to it and, and start working on it what what would you suggest for guys to to do if if they're they've got target panic like what to do to kind of start to get over it? Well, I think it depends. Like I'm fine when I shoot by myself. I'm deadly. I get around people is what triggers it in me, stuff like that. And I I think if you know what the if you know what to do, you just have to go out and take your lumps. Shoot with shoot with people and and deal with the problem and get, get over it. But I do notice like, like a big buck, sometimes I'll pull up on it and I can feel that. And I, I got to let it down and start over again or I'll be in trouble. So it's, I think you need to, uh, if, if it's a form, I think people get uh, target panic because of form too, because they don't really know what they're doing and they don't trust themselves and they don't have a potential to get. But if you, if you know what your true potential is, I think you just got to let people beat up on you, go do it. And then it, it becomes more comfortable. And uh, just like 3D season, we used to shoot a lot of 3D and the first couple of times weren't that great. But by the fourth time, you're pretty much aiming and pulling and uh, not engaging all the muscles that you don't need. And you're handling the pressure on you just, then you can shoot your potential. But if that's your if that's what's standing in your way, I think you just need to go go take your lumps. And I, I think you're very right about all these people that have it and think they don't. I mean, I watch guys drop, you know, aim above a target, drop, shoot into it. I can walk around at the trad shoot and then go, he's got it, he's got it, he's got it, he's got it, he's got it. I mean, it's just when you're drawn back and you're drawing two or three inches different every time you shoot, you know. It's a lot of guys, they get away with it close. If they're, as long as they're pulling when they let go, they got a better chance of hitting the target. And you can get away with that kind of stuff 10 to 15 yards. But if you want to start getting out farther, it gets rougher and rougher. And that's why I think a lot of guys don't. A lot of guys will limit themselves to 15 yards in that shooting. I think that's why, because, because of, of them having it. And, and one of the things to do to break it, I know, is, is the best way, I think, is if you can get a coach and go see one because they'll get you lined up right, get you doing steps, making sure, you know, and I, I even try if I got time and stuff when I'm shooting animals, I run through the steps in my head if I have time to think about it when they're coming in or, or if it's a long shot where you have actually have time to, 
to make it. You don't have that anxiety of, oh, they're going to see you, they're going to move. It's easier for more, for me to think through shots, you know, if I'm out 40, 50 yards than it is when a deer walks out at 20. Because you, you, you get that anxiety of, of I got to shoot, I got to shoot, you know, and, and he's going to be by or he's going to catch me, you know, and stuff like that when you get to full draw. So, but, but getting a light, but if you start feeling it coming on and, and you admit you got it, a lighter bow and a close target with a big bullseye, I think, is a good way to just and, and, and prowl up and just see if you can aim at the target without letting go. That'll be a good register as far as uh, if you got target panic or not. Because if you if you can't just aim at it and let down and it's got to go off, you're probably you probably got it. That's probably like level. Or you're on. That's level nine target panic when you when you can't when you can't aim at the target. Um. <laughs> I don't know that it gets yeah. much worse than than that, but yeah, that's what we yeah. did with. And I watch, I see all the guys all the time. They aim low or aim high, and then they shoot. Is they do drive bys, is what it is. And a drive by is only good in Compton because uh, I can tell you, you start that drive by shit. It'll work when your timing's on, but man, when your timing yep. gets off, oh, it's it's not yep. uh, it's not good. And that goes for traditional or compound. I mean, it's. You know, and, and I, you know, talking to, to guys, you, you know, you, you know, you hear all the time, you're only as good as your last shot. I'm, I'm lucky that I can take a pretty good beating and, and move on and don't stress over it too much. But when you go back to practicing to work on your issues, but you're just ingraining all of those issues into you as you're quote unquote practicing, it's got to be good practice. Just flinging more arrows is not going to help if you're just ingraining all of the bad stuff over and over and over, it gets harder and harder to, you know, to fix. And so so for me, sometimes I'll just put the bow down and and go in and, you know, whatever, hang out with Amy or get away from the bow because I, and Randy, you've given me crap about it. Uh, I think actually Amy came up with what would Randy do because you told me to slow the fuck down and stop shooting so much because I would sit there and wing 600 arrows in one afternoon. And for the most part, probably in the beginning, I was doing pretty good. And then towards the end, I was probably petering off and doing some stuff wrong. And I'm just ingraining bad form. And so maybe sometimes limiting the amount you shoot and making it one arrow at a time with perfect form rather than, in my case, 20 arrows in a row. It hasn't caught me yet, but I mean, there's something to be said with firing one arrow and walking down to the target and getting it and make sure that one arrow is the best one you got rather than knowing you got a bunch behind it. You can just keep shooting. I, do you guys, do you try and practice with three, five, seven? I mean, how many arrows are you guys shooting at one time and practice normally? I'm I'm a one-arrow guy. I don't care if I'm shooting at 60 yards. I shoot one arrow and go down and pull it and walk back. Supposedly, your muscles need 45 seconds to recoup after you've shot an arrow also to where you're back to normal. I just do it. Uh, not only that, if you're taking all that time to walk down and walk back, you really want that one arrow. Make that one arrow count a lot more, too, rather than go back, shoot in the dirt, go up and get it, you know. You, I think you put a lot more effort in, and it helps you, too, uh, uh, when you only, when you know, because you only normally, you know, technically you get one arrow in mantle. Not always, not true, but yeah, I, I think it helps that way, too, forcing you to put a lot more effort into the arrow, more pressure on you, I should say. To make the shot. I'm mentally weak on that one. Uh, Denny, are you going to back me up there? Or do you fire one as well? And now I'm going to feel guilty. I should have uh, fired the first shot today and then quit. <laughs> 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 I should have <laughs> <your> advice. <laughs> 
when you, do you, Danny, do you practice with one or do you, do you practice with a few arrows? Uh, I shoot every day. It usually just in my butt. Like if I walk out to my truck to go somewhere, go into work, go do an errand, I usually shoot three or four arrows right there. And I, I, I do it more for, uh, so I stay strong. I would say my best practice is, uh, I, we do a lot of walks. We walk the dogs and I, I take a, a judo tip with me and I'll just shoot every now and then different things. Or, uh, if the dogs, if we'll shoot the archery range, we have an archery range. I typically, if it's just me, I shoot one arrow at each, uh, 3D target, move to the next one. If my buddies are over, we pound them. We shoot, empty our quiver on every one, laugh and joke. And it's probably not as serious as a, or as it could be, but it's about having fun too. So yeah, I I don't shoot one arrow until I'm getting real close to hunting season, and I'll do, you know, much like you guys are talking about. I'll I'll be I don't know whatever I'm screwing around in the garage. I'll grab the bow, walk to the range, you know, fire one shot at a relatively, you know, thirty six yard, uh, let's say bedded buck, and try to make it as realistic through the trees as I can to because that one shot matters, but man, like right now I'm pretty bad. I'll have at least a dozen arrows in my, you know, little backpack quiver and, and I will shoot every one each time. And that's probably a bad thing, but I'm so addicted to shooting that uh, it's hard for me to not shoot. And when people ask me, it's kind of hypocritical. Cause I'm like, yeah, you should probably practice with one to three arrows when I can tell you for a fact, I never do that. So it's a bit hypocritical, but it's certainly, I'm sure it's better. And, uh, when a compound, I did that with one arrow, but I need to get better at it with a stick. You got to have an arrow for every target in your backyard, don't you? Probably two. And that's no shit. It's bad. Um, <laughs> wh- what are, while we're talking about arrows and everything, what, what are your guys' setups as far as your, uh, you know, your, your bow strings, arrows, broadheads, so on and so forth. Go ahead, Dan. Um, right now I'm shooting black widow PSRs, 60 inches. 54 pounds. I have three of them. They're identical. And then I've got a couple of uh, PSRs uh, that are 74 pounds for Cape Buffalo. I'm, I'm running uh, day six arrows out for the Cape Buffalo, and I'm running uh, three of the shafts right now, but we're coming out with a new secret shaft here, hopefully in June, if, if uh, everything works out right. It'll be available. And I shoot junky, uh, zwicky heads. And, uh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> and gr- grizzlies and zwickies are probably my two favorite. Gotcha. Now, you've been a, a longbow guy, just so people that aren't familiar with widows, you've been a, a, a longbow guy for basically, well, as long as I've ever seen you shooting. Why do you kind of prefer a longbow over the the recurve? I, I don't know. Just years ago, I... I I caught the fever of shooting a longbow. I think I shot longbows for 35 years straight. Never, never hunted with a recurve. And the the PSR is a it's a little recurve with the same uh, handle as a longbow. And I guess I just wanted to change. I just felt like changing after all these years. And I've enjoyed shooting a little short or a shorter recurve with that small longbow uh, handle. And they it's not a lot of mass weight. I guess I just. I like the lighter mass bow for packing around. Probably don't shoot it as well. Gotcha. And then when did you switch to the uh, the PSR? Just uh, about three or four years ago, I started hitting back and forth, and then I just really li- just liked it for some reason. I think it reminds me of being a kid again. Always had a recurve and just uh, just time for a change. Gotcha. Uh, Randy, what, what do you got? I have a 62-inch uh, PMA, gray bark normally. 
I got a few others though, but, uh, I shoot mountain muffler string, uh, 64 pounds now, and I'm shooting X impact 300s with Valkyrie system on them. I got the aluminum outsert and 200 grain point on them. And I shoot Valkyrie Jagger broadheads like Dan, I'm shooting 74 pounds. We're getting ready to go Cape Buffalo hunting next summer. We're going to Mozambique and, uh, I'm shooting a PMA with 74 pounds and I have some arrows, 200 spine rain arrows from Brett. And, uh, I'm working on right now. They're stiff enough that I'm going to have a hundred grain outsert on them and still have a 425 grain point to get them to paper tune. So, Mother of God. Yeah. What's your FOC? It's, <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, I don't I don't ever check FOC. I just tune them and to where they shoot good. I'm, I'm anywhere, probably all my setups, I'm probably somewhere between 17 and 28 on those. I don't know. You know, on my normal arrows, are, ah, my normal arrows might be about 20, 19, 20, maybe 20. I don't know. Those are probably, I don't even know. I, I, I've never... I have to calculate it sometime just to see, but it must be like 28. Don't you think? Or something like that? 30%. Yeah. I don't know. I've never set up an arrow with 425 up, up front. That's, um, that's definitely a unique, you know, setup, but yeah, it's gotta be up there. I would imagine. I, I, I only make jokes with the FOC thing. Cause, um, I didn't know it was that big of a deal until I went over to traditional archery and, and with a compound, I usually had like 175 up front and that's just, you know, 50 grain, uh, brass insert and a 125 grain point and whatever my arrow was, it was. And then with, uh, the recurve, as I dove down that rabbit hole, which I got off recurve or traditional archery forms about as fast as I got on them. There's some really negative ones on there. So I try to stay away, but I, I learned quickly that FOC, I, I, there for a while, I thought you couldn't kill an animal without extreme FOC. And I'm like, hell, I don't even know if I, I don't think I'd ever checked it. And so I was just kind of focused on the tune. If I, if, if the arrow tuned out at, you know, with the stick bow with two, two fifty up front, that's what I shot. And if it tuned out at three, that's, that's what I shot. I didn't really have a goal of how much point weight other than just have a decent amount, you know, up there. I mean, w- what are your got your, your standard setup, Randy, and your standard setup, Denny, for like North America? Yeah, I, my, my X impact only weighs, uh, with broadhead and everything, I'm only shooting four ninety four and, uh, hundred and I think I'm shooting 195 feet per second. I checked it. I think that's what it was. So, you know, I, I, I know, I guess that's a light arrow. I've done it forever. I've gone through moose lengthwise with an arrow that heavy. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's only going to go through one time. It ain't going to turn around and come back. Hopefully not, or something's gone terribly wrong. What about you, Denny? <laughs> yeah, my arrows that for everyday stuff are, I'm just running uh, a regular uh, aluminum insert, a 200 grain head, and I think they're 520. Gotcha. Do you, do you chronograph yours? What kind of speed do you get? Depends on how far back I pull my bow. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> but I think, I think today it wasn't real fast. <laughs> I had uh, my chronograph broke, but I I think it was normally 175, 180, something in there, not not blazing fast. That's about where I'm at. I, I shoot a bit. I'm more closer to 600, but I I'm always around 180, give or take. So for for tuning, which is a huge you know question, guys get. Do you guys? I mean, you guys talk enough. Do you guys tune the same way, or do you guys tune a little bit differently? I think pretty much the same. I I I just paper tune down in my basement, basically. And then if they hit good, they are good. You know, after you get out and shoot them and stuff. 
you know, I've done done it all in, in uh, p- paper tuning with the feathers on at six feet, or you stand at eight feet and your arms about two foot uh, from the thing, so that your arrow at full draw six foot from the paper. I've never seen it fly, and people will get on the internet and say it doesn't work. It's it's bullshit. It can't be done with fingers. But all the best shots I know all believe in paper tuning. I think it's easier. Uh, if you can't shoot the same hole ten times through a piece of paper at six feet, then you don't you're not good enough shot to be tuning anyway. So I just believe in paper. I, I think it's a, a good good way. I think the other ways are good too, uh, but I think paper's easier. Oh, you can microtune. It's it's hard to watch. I mean, I used to bear shaft too all the time in that, and and that's fine, and you can see big differences. But when it gets right down to it, you know, you can you can with the paper you can tell you're a quarter inch out of tune or a half inch or that where watching an arrow fly down towards the target can be kind of difficult if you're trying to see it and you can you can tell when it hits in the phone but you know or that when you're down there but you can't exactly go by that every time either uh, i kind of changed my views on that a little and I, I like to start out paper tuning the one thing i do is the slow motion yeah. video and i i micro tune yeah. off slow-mo video as well because i i will yeah. say like problem i have and i'd be interested to see what you guys think is i worry about imperfect form as well because i can fire pretty good arrows through paper and then you know i for me things sometimes go to shit when i start flinging arrows at 3ds and so I kind of want to get the big blueprint where I have uh, paper tuning. I don't bear shaft too much. I, I do. I mean, I keep one there and I shoot it, but it's not the – if my bear shaft doesn't hit good at 40 or it hits pretty good and it's half-ass decent, I'm like, all right, well, that's a decent way to look at it. But it's certainly not – very little has to go wrong for a lot to go wrong with a bear shaft uh, at, 40, at 40 yards. And I have gotten bear shafts and broadheads to hit the same, but – when you're sitting there and your feet are off a little bit maybe or whatever, I like to just watch that arrow flight to see if maybe I'm doing something wrong. So I have people video we when I'm not paying attention and watch that arrow flight for that just as more of a warm and fuzzy in my own mind. And I don't know if you guys with that slow-mo video, you can really pick that arrow flight apart. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I think it's a great idea. Not only pick your arrow flight apart, you pick your form apart too. Which is generally the problem. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Yep. The, yeah. Yep. You can really watch your hand come off your face Hell, like an every idiot. Every time you, every time you slow mo, you think I'm watching your arrow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for imperfections to get on you about something else in your form, which has yeah. been very hard to do. The one thing about you, you're consistent. I think. I, it'd be interesting what you guys think, and, I, and I'd actually, because I've got Tom as a coach, but I, I'd really like to talk to uh, Rod and and see, have him watch me shoot, because the one thing that carries me is no head movement, and I got a strong bow arm. I got yep. some goofy shit going on the backside sometimes, but when you watch me shoot those 100-yard shots at Moose, and, and uh, which, by the way, a couple of those I've shot, I've pinwheeled, and we're pretty much luck, right? You're it's just, you know, a lot of those shots, though, just to hit the target consistently at 100, I've got an aiming point, but I, I really have no head movement, and I keep that, that bow arm consistent, and that bow arm, will, in my opinion, will carry your ass a long ways if you've got a good bow arm. It sure will. I've Absolutely. had some wild releases that go in the middle, and the guys look at me and go, what the fuck was that? And I go, good bow arm, man. <laughs> <laughs> If 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 you got if you guys were gonna pick pick me apart 
what would you say some of my issues are for people listening? Because I post enough videos up, guys. See, what would you guys say is, uh, I mean, Randy, as much as I make fun of you and doll sheep, you give me shit about hunching over. I think you've told that's me to stand up a, like that's a man. I was going to say, I always <laughs> telling you to stand up and shoot a bull like a man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but, but from a coaching perspective, what would you guys say I need to work on other than standing up like a man? You know what? I, I, Doing the same exact thing every time, I think, is is about important as anything. And 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 you you do look the same. Your bow arm, your bow turns in your hand. I mean, I've watched it. And it sometimes I think, God, your bow turns like that after you shoot. But boy, I tell you, it's the same exact spot. If you could take a snapshot of every shot like that, I I don't think you, it, you'd play hard finding a different, you know telling the pictures apart and i hate to be, be like that be able to pump you up like that because that ain't my style but but you you know you you just you you do do the same thing your hand coming back everything really it, it, it looks like it flies out a little bit sometimes it looks like you're getting back straighter i don't know why but it looks like you're not your hands coming back straighter more now than it used to talking with you guys and and working with tom and watching like the the videos the traditional vision quest videos sometimes and I don't know how what you guys think about this, but sometimes you just need to back the fuck up, put your bow down, think about what you're doing, go watch people that know what they're doing, and then go have somebody film you and actually take a like a real like a gut check of okay, <laughs> I'm doing some things wrong. One of the things I'm I'm doing is my hand. I've worked on it not coming away from my face. I've worked on stretching and. Uh, Amy sitting beside me and her poor ass has had to film me about 4 million times to break it apart. And I think obviously watching what you guys do and listening to you as mentors, you can do the same thing wrong every time, as long as you do it the same every time, it's just almost impossible for guys to do the same thing wrong consistently. And in my case, my bow pivoting in my hand, my compound was the same way. It, I hate to try to change it cause it's consistent and mm -hmm. My, the only thing that I really wanted to work on, and I don't have a problem losing tension, was my hand coming away from my face. It's like, like I'm doing kind of, you know, I'm heading to Oklahoma, you know, via New York, but I end up there. It comes back. It just goes way the hell out. And then, you know, I, I it's something I really was driving me crazy. I've tried to work on, and you guys have both commented both good and bad about that. Like, you know, Hey, your hand's coming away from your face or, Hey, that looked good. I mean, Denny, what do you, what do you think? It, it can be caused by two things. Number one, you've got a big bicep. So does that make sense? If you have a big bicep, your arm is folded and you, it could be a natural, it could be a little bit of that. And it could be just a little, or uh, maybe a little forearm muscle engagement that you really don't need, but it, and it's hard to bleed that out. And the, your indoor scores speak for themselves. I, I can't wait for you to go uh, and shoot shoot the competitions. That's that's going to be really cool. But I, I, you know, when I look at you, you're you might be bent over a little bit, but it's not like you're, you're not squatting. You have a really good uh, stable uh, base. I think it puts your eye over the arrow well. Your bow arm is flawless. You pull through strong, but that pop out of the hand. It could it could be just a bicep thing. It could be a, a combination of that, or it might just be the way you shoot. I mean, strong shot. I tell you what, I, I mean, this is bad, but I'm so f bowed up and piped up. I got a wipe from the front. So as Tom Sr. is like working on me, try to get, you know, my, my hand to come back. And that's why I'd like to talk to Rod. It doesn't physically, 
I don't, I'm never going to look like Brady Ellison. I can keep it against my face for about an inch. And then I just, even with a 20 pound bow, Amy's filmed me over and over. Like I said, I'm sure it's drove her crazy. I'm like, I've done some pretty amazing things in my life with mental and physical discipline. How the fuck can I not keep my hand against my face? And I, I just, I, I try, I try to keep it as close as I can. Now, as I say that, I'm sure you've all seen yourself on film fall apart with an animal in front of you. Thank God for a strong bow arm because I've seen myself shoot a couple times on film where my right hand did not look good, but the arrow went where it was supposed to. And I think a lot of that, like you guys talked, was consistent tension, consistent bow arm, and not peaking, you know, consistent head movement or or not no head movement. What are some of your guys' downfalls while we're talking about issues so people can kind of relate? What would you say each one of your main issues are or you've had to work on? <laughs> Mine is... Mine is back tension. I want to have good back tension, peeking for the arrow, I guess, to see where it goes. You know, lifting my head as I shoot. But back tension's my my biggest downfall of all, and I don't know why. It's just it's a constant fight for me, you know. And it it even sometimes, like you say, you know, you think you're doing it right. I I got video of me shooting a mountain goat up in Cordova, and I hit it. A little, I hit it a little low and left, and uh, I uh, got another arrow in it, and it, and it went off the cliff, and I couldn't retrieve it. But I thought I shot that well. I hit low and left. It was 30 yards. I'd crawled up on it, and I thought I executed the shot. And I'm telling myself, how did I hit there? How did I hit there? That's impossible where I hit. And went back, and he had it on video, and I replayed it, and I got through the clicker, and I collapsed right when I shot and some of that, I think, is trying to see where it hit, too. But felt perfect. But, boy, when you watch it on video, it was far from perfect. And that's, I think, guys, you know, you got to be truthful, to, with, really truthful with yourself. And that's another thing about shooting one arrow, too, when you're practicing. As you walk up, every time you shoot an arrow, you should analyze that shot. And that gives you time to analyze the shot and what you did and how it felt when you are shooting fewer arrows. Like, what about you, Denny? I like to skip uh, the anchor steps. <laughs> Mostly <laughs> entirely. Sometimes I'll hit it on the, on the uh, but yeah, it's so dumb. But yeah, they say there's three main, I've written articles on this. There's the three main target panics that, that most people can think are like Randy anchors. It's back. And he can't get rid of that thing without collapsing. And then there's uh, the gold chai where you're, you're back and you're frozen. And you cannot, there's nothing you can do to put that thing right where you want it and complete the shot. And then uh, the ignorant, the most ignorant one is, I look at those guys, I'm like, why can't you shoot? You anchored. Uh, I know, you know, people don't anchor. They cannot, they let go short, they start aiming, and they're all three terrible. I've never experienced the other ones, but I, I have buddies and I watch them suffer with it. And it's really stupid when you think about it, but that's just part of the game. And I think that's why we love it so much. Yeah. We're always fighting. I'm going, how the hell can you not get to full draw? And he's going, you're all the way back in anchor. How can you not execute the shot and finish it off? You know, <laughs> I mean, we're always back and forth on that one. Yeah. I, like I said, I, I, I pester, uh, mostly I, I know, Randy's schedule much better than Denny's. So Denny, it's probably good. I don't know your schedule. I'd drive you crazy too. But um, 
I don't know how many mornings have I called you with a problem, have been like, have you ever had this shit happen? Because my tune changed out of the blue, and I have no fucking clue why. And then you'll give me your spiel of what went on, and, and then I try to dissect it. And, and it's it's weird because, and, and Tom Sr.'s told me this many times, that he said, Aaron, if you sucked, these w- issues wouldn't be an issue. But when you can actually hit what you're aiming at, for for the most part, dissecting things is a lot bigger of a deal. And, and what he's trying to say is if you can't hit a stop sign consistently at 20 yards, there's not much to dissect. But right. when you're, you know, out of the blue, I, I had a bow, which you guys, I, I know, I know Randy knows this. I had a bow that lost four pounds in its limbs. It wasn't a widow. And, and out of the gate, I'm shooting and Amy was there for this and I'm hitting left at 40. And I mean, wadding them in there. And I blame myself, right? So pretty soon my nose is raw from creeping my face in more and more and more. And I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Brace height's the same, nothing. Well, the bow lost four pounds. So it started tearing stiff. And I'm thinking it's tearing stiff because it's something I'm doing. And I'm we're talking full-on panic crisis mode for me when shit like this happens. Because I'm like, what am I? Amy's shaking her head right now laughing. I'm like, what am I doing? Well, you know, if you can hit consistently for the most part, obviously, like at 40, for me, I should have been smart enough to just not blame myself and, and really start, and I never would have thought that bow would have lost, well, it was four and a half pounds of weight. But, you know, there's other things like hand positioning. You change your grip a little bit. Your release can change. You can, people don't understand like that click. That click can be your body executing uh, erratic hand movement. It can be a click to collapse, things like that. And when you start to film yourself, being a true color shine through. I mean, you really start to see in detail, like the worst thing you ever want to do is film your slow, yourself in slow motion in hopes you're going to actually feel good about it after you watch it. Yep. It's kind of depressing sometimes, or it can be. I, do you guys film in slow-mo much? Yeah, I do. Now and then, I do it. Even Even trying to put something on the internet, you know, it seems like when I put the camera on me, it feels, I don't know, it feels different. And in reality is, it probably wasn't any different. It just, I suck, you know, <laughs> and, I don't, and I don't realize it. But it, what I always tell these guys, too, you know, I see these guys doing all this wild stuff. And one day, you know, they'll shoot terrible for 50 weeks out of the year. One day, they'll have this outrageously great score and come out of it. And for some reason, that one day makes them think everything they're doing is okay. Rather than saying, I suck the other 50 weeks, you know? <laughs> and and I, I see this all the time. I can't even tell you. The guys I see, the stars align just perfectly one day for them. And that's what they base it on. And uh, another thing, and I've, I've got on you about it too, is it, it, it's, it's hard to take, but there's a point which I haven't reached, but there's a point you're only going to get so good. You're human. And that will give you target panic. When you get to the point, you got to just accept tens. You can't be expecting to shoot 12s. You can't be expecting to shoot ASA 12s and that there's a point where you got to accept how you're shooting is good enough and continue to stay consistent with that because you can't, you can't let the anxiety of I was off three inches here, you know, or that get to you because that'll work on you you'll start having trouble too and then you're worried more about results than you are execution when execution is what gives you results i I would say that's one of my biggest downfalls probably from coming from a compound in 
you know, on a 20 target 3D course being, you know, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14 up and then going to a, a, a stick, you know, shooting in the 180s is a good score on a 20 target, you know, 3D course. And I can stay in the 160s from the compound stakes and, and usually if I got my head out of my ass can, you know, be higher than that on a, on a 3d course, but I do grind on myself way more than I should. And you've been really good at calling me a dumb shit and tell me not to do that because, you know, if you shoot, I, you know, I've heard like eights are a good, you know, if you can, your average is a, um, you know, on a 20 target, if you can shoot a 160, you know, you're doing, you know, pr- pretty good. And usually, usually I'm, you know, maybe 20 points better than that, but I'll, the three bad shots or two bad shots I took on a 20 target course will far outweigh the, you know, the 18 good ones. And, and I, that has been a serious, you know, problem for me. And, and have you guys, you guys have that issue or is, am I unique to that? And cause it drives me crazy. Well, I think that's a good way to do it though. Cause if all you ever remember the, are the good shots, you, you're, you're fooling yourself. So I think it's, while you don't dwell on it, I think you need to remember what went wrong on those and learn from it, not just forget it. Yeah. I mean, but you, you for me too, it's uh, in the moment you need to analyze in that, but you got to put it past. You can't, you know, you don't want to walk up to another, if you shot this coyote and then you go 10 tar- and made a terrible, terrible shot or missed or whatever, and you get 10 more targets in, you don't want to be going, you don't want to be sitting there saying, Oh, I don't want to miss that coyote this time. Cause now you're already telling yourself there's a chance you're going to miss and, and putting it, it should just be another shot on the course. You know, you can't and not not dwell on that. And you know, you'll hear it, and and guys will be, oh, I cannot hit a bedded buck, or I can't hit that wolf target, stuff like that. It's a it's not a good attitude to have. Every shot should be its own shot. Yeah, and I think both of that makes sense because I think Denny, you're right that you should dissect the bad ones, but I think that Randy, you're right that you don't want to dwell on them to where it crushes you for the next ten targets you have left. And I've really worked on that with hunting to where I don't, you know, you're only good as your last shot. A lot of people say, I try to not let that happen where I, uh, you know, I really, if I miss an animal or make a bad shot that I, I dissect it and I figure out what I did wrong, but I don't dwell on it to where it affects my next shot. And that's something I've learned from you guys, as well as Jeff Lander of really try to bounce back or it can haunt you for many, many animals, you know, in front of you that you haven't shot at yet. You don't want that to haunt you. Yeah. And the first thing you do when you miss an animal, though, you try to blame everything else but yourself. Oh, did I hit a limb? You know, or something else. <laughs> Normally it comes down to you do something wrong. It's just hard to, in the moment like that, animals are way harder to analyze your shot than it is shooting targets. What are some of the, not that we want to talk about bad stuff, what are some well, of your guys' bigger misses that you're like still haunted to this day? Uh, my my worst haunt is I shot a buck quarter and away. This was long time ago 15 20 years ago i shot this giant 10 pointer that had big bladed tines on it was probably going to 160s easy quartered away drilled it at like 10 yards 8 yards 10 yards drilled it had all kinds of blood went called my buddy had him drive uh two and a half hours down to help me go get it out and we never found it and uh we tracked it had lots of blood tracked it and uh that that one, I, I don't even know what to change there. That was one of those things where patting myself on the back and everything. But just things can happen, you know. I, and I, to this day, I don't know what happened with it. But I, I still see that buck like it was yesterday. It, was, it would have been the biggest buck I ever shot at the time. And, 
you hate losing stuff, you know, especially when you think you did nothing wrong and that you just, you feel cheated almost out of it, you know? Gotcha. Denny, do you have any crazy stories of something that's still haunting you? Oh, I've got a bunch of them, but I think that the boon and crack of the animals haunt me the worst just because they're so dang big. I shot a Quebec Labrador bull in the horns. <laughs> and I ran away with my arrow. And it was the biggest, it was huge. It, it was one of those, four, it was over 400 inches, and I had witnesses, of course. In fact, a guy jumped me about it on Facebook the other day. I thought he'd forgotten. I had a had to be a boon and crack up there on Prince of Wales Island. I shot one, and it was uh, 20, and a green scored 20 and 5 sixteenths and ended up 20 and 1 sixteenth. And this other bear came in. It was made that one look like a baby, and I missed it. I greased it. I shot, I I was pulled right up on it, and when I shot, I dumped my bow arm to watch the arrow take it out, and I just greased it on the bottom. That was terrible. And then uh, with your buddy Clay, uh, I wasn't with him, but he was he was back at camp, and I had a huge uh, mountain caribou with giant, I was thinking they were like 20, 24-inch rear tines on it. It was, it was so huge. I mean, it was a big bull anyway, but with that, that was all three points, and I... Uh, I missed it. I pulled up and, and uh, didn't trust my uh, shot and held it a little high because I thought I wouldn't make it there, and I shot right over its back. That was pathetic. But that, they, three Boone and Crockett, huge, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity animals, and I, I blew it. What What do you think, what do you suggest for people, both of you guys, to do after a big miss like that as far as to not let it cripple you for the next six months in front of you? I say laugh it off and uh, forget that's know what happened, but laugh it off and, and carry on. Just think of all the good things you've done because everybody has bad shots. Best shots in the world have awful, awful shots every now and then. It's just that's part of life. You know that. Everyone knows it. So get over it and carry on. I, I usually will pout for the rest of the day. And it's best if you can talk to somebody that's done it too because misery always loves company. And it'll make you feel better if you're not the lone stranger doing that kind of stuff. But I'm, I've, I've just come to the realization that, you know, I let myself pout and go to bed pissed off about it and that. And the next day, just start over. There's, there's no other thing, you know, nothing else you can do. Yeah, I, I'd say that's good advice. I, I haven't had too many just because I haven't done it that long. But the, the probably the worst one was the one in Alberta last year. But, you know, you can't. I try not to dwell on it, and I try not to blame my equipment. You know, I, I try to just basically go back and, you know, things happen and, you know, if I did something wrong, work on it. But I I know too, there's too many horror stories I've heard from traditional archers that let something like that or, or something happen to where it just, they could not get it out of their mind. So I try to shake it off as quick as I can and say it was the same with the compound. So, you know, that's obviously worked well and, and uh, hopefully I don't ever get target panic or hopefully I don't ever get it. I mean, I've had it with a compound, but... I, I know, um, you know, with some of the different coaching methods and, and things, I, I kind of, I'm a, you know, a, a Tom Clum, Rod Jenkins guy. I kind of follow their school of thought on shooting or what I know of Rod. And, uh, you know, same thing you guys teach, obviously, in traditional vision quest. And some of the other things, the the brain doctors and everything else, I've, I've tried to get behind some of that stuff a little bit. But I think a lot of those things, you know, whether or not people want to admit it, 
is kind of a Band-Aid, and, and, and some of that stuff will definitely can make it worse in the long run or potentially could. I think the fundamentals of basketball, the fundamentals of, of golf, and the fundamentals of archery, if you follow those fundamentals, you'll be a lot farther ahead than you know doing 14 different goofy things to try to trick your mind and your body. And, and I don't, I mean, you guys kind of feel the same way with that, or um, I know we talked about it before, but. Yeah, you're right. You're right on right on it's just the the aiming and saying i'm going to count to two before i fire and pretty soon it's down to one and then pretty soon it's going off you know there's no substitute for the good fundamentals of shooting a shot no matter no matter what you're trying to do like i said shoot my clicker my clicker doesn't do a bit of good for me unless i shoot the shot right and correct gotcha what um i mean denny what do you think like especially like what would rod Say as well, you guys both work with Rod a lot. What does he really focus on? He gets, he dives down down deep on everything, just like you're talking about video. And he videos everything. When you're his student, you're on video, and he'll if you know if you're just new starting out, he runs through basics and stuff. But even like Dwayne Martin uh, went to Rod, and he's one of the very best shots in the world. He's hoping to pick up a couple points. Just you know, one little thing here, one little thing there. Rod just really gets in deep to little details. You know, you take a guy like him, he's, he's won world championships multiple times, won Vegas, and he if he could get three more points, that's yeah. huge. Yeah, and Rod's, Rod's won stuff, too. He knows what it takes to win, too, because he's done it, you know. So. Yeah, he's, his, for the mental thing, he still believes, I mean, if a clicker helps you great, it's, it's awesome, but he thinks there's a clicker in your back. And if you can learn to shoot that clicker in your back, which is hit the wall and then keep, keep pull against the wall till the bow goes off. That that's the best clicker in the world. And I, I tend to agree with him on that. If, if you can do it. Yeah, I do too. I, I wouldn't right now, if I, if I didn't have to shoot a clicker and it's all mental, but I wouldn't do it. Cause like you were saying, I, I, I think if you can shoot without a clicker, you can be way more accurate. You can execute, shoot the shot every time because you can, Trying to pull through that clicker, you can. I think you can start using other muscles. You can start tightening your neck, start turning your head, if you when you start getting tired to try and make it move. Uh, just just being able to relax and use back tension and execute the arrow. I I definitely think that you're going to be more consistent and accurate doing that. Yeah, and I what was it two days ago? I called you and was telling you I've been kind of bouncing back and forth and trying to shoot a you know, without a clicker, you know, and working on it. And it's going good so far, but again, there's those three-day cures, and we'll see if I have arrows laying all over Nebraska and no turkeys on the ground because um, I took the clicker off. But I'm I'm, I'm going to try it. I, I, I'm interested to see how it goes. Yeah, and, and, you know, and we talk all the time, too, is I was in that blind, working in the blind the other night, practicing shooting in the dark because I, well, that's a whole other thing. We're supposed to be in Texas right now, too, hunting, and they canceled us last night. The only two guys going to be on the ranch, and they canceled this because of this virus stuff going on, I guess. But I, I was working on shooting in the dark the other night because we were going to plan on putting kill lights out for hogs. And I had a hell of a time getting through my kick clicker sitting down in that blind. It was just, and you know, we talk about that shooting straight down off cliffs and stuff like that. It's it really can be difficult getting through that clicker. Yeah, it, it is for me when I'm sitting down. You know, also at different angles, it can be difficult. And I we'll see how it you know how it goes. Um, obviously, Randy, you you do have a clicker on. Denny, do you use a clicker? I, I don't. I've I've shot 
shot with one for a training aid. I, I killed a turkey with a clicker and actually made it click, which was pretty cool. Yeah. I, I have limited experience with them. I'm just, I'd like to be stubborn and fight it till the end. So Yeah, and my clicker doesn't go off every time I shoot something either. I mean, it, it does sometimes, and that's, it's, a, it's a tough thing to do. But, you know, you're back and anchored and pulling, and, and you've got to shoot when the opportunity rises, too. You can't, as far as I'm concerned, you do if you're going to shoot stuff. Letting up on a buck walking by at 10 yards because your clicker doesn't go off, I think, is uh, call it stupid. Yeah, really, I the clicker thing for me, whether I use it or not on an animal, I kind of just choose ahead of time. If it's a farther shot, I'll, I'll probably use it just to make sure. But closer shots, I don't really worry about it as much. And I, I choose that just for the simple fact of the, the angle or the noise or, you know, a lot of different variables. And, and not to say that if you're going to use a clicker, I don't have, I mean, I don't think that's a horrible idea at all. I've been using one a bunch. and, and uh, But I think if you can go without it. I mean, you guys already said it. You're far better off if you can perfect it without having the clicker on there. Yeah. Um, I'm a hundred percent with you there on that. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, we're working on over an hour here. I, um, I want to make sure everybody checks out both of what you guys have going on in the case. Uh, Randy has Safari tough, which that's that back quiver I use and finger tabs and bow cases, things like that. And, uh, Denny, you have a traditional vision quest. Do you guys want to spend a second to talk about each of those and where guys can find, uh, you know, what you guys offer? Sure. Uh, traditional vision quest. We do uh, shooting instruction and hunting videos. You can buy them at uh, Three Rivers Archery, Black Widow Bows, Lancaster, or you can. They're all available for download at uh, mastersofthebearbow.com or traditionalvisionquest.com. We're also coming out with a line of arrows here this year. If everything turns out right, it'll be uh, specifically made for bare bow shooters. Gotcha. And then on the traditional vision quest, since it sounds like you want to keep the arrows somewhat hush-hush, how many different videos are there and kind of what what do they offer for people? What are they going to see when they get them? Masters 1 and 2 are like different. I think it features 14 different archers, the target archers, uh, self-bow guys, uh, hunters, people like Gene Wenzel, Roger Rothar, Gary Davis, Ty Pelfrey, Larry Yen, Rod Jenkins, and they go through their shot sequence, their gear selection, what goes through their head when they're uh, competing or hunting. Uh, Masters 3 is Rod Jenkins and Larry Yen running through basic uh, archery coaching. It's probably one of the best ones. Uh, number 4 is mostly on mental side of uh, shooting. And number five is uh, mental, uh, more hunting. Randy and I are in it a lot more with hunting and Dale Karch. And uh, Jason Westbrock is, I would say, one of the best well-rounded shooters in the world. He can do it all. He, he hunts well. He does 3D, does indoor. He's won a bunch of national and uh, world titles. And he, he goes into a lot of detail about skin walking and, and fixed crawl and form. And hopefully we'll do one more with all us guys on there about how to hunt better and pull pull uh, your bow back all the way and aim it and stuff. Yeah. And Rod Jenkins is on all five of them, right, Dan? Yes, he's been on in every one. So you can get a lot of coaching from him gotcha. throughout all of them. Cool. Well, Randy, what do you what do you got going on with Safari uh, Tough? You can go to safaritough.com, and I have, I'm going to be adding more products and more products along the way. Uh, I just got the, acquired the business from Rod Jenkins. 
uh, last September, October, and I'm working slowly because I do work a regular job yet to getting it going. And I've got some help from some really good people, but I have a, a bow case called a transformer that is just, I, I, I mean, it's just an awesome piece of equipment. You can, uh, the one case will fit right or left-handed shooters. And there's a zipper, depending on if you're right or left-handed, when you put the your bow, if you have a quiver full of arrows, you can actually stick them through the hole that unzips, zip the bow up, and your arrows, your feathers or veins or that aren't getting uh, mashed and folded. And the big thing about it is it's made to put a couple takedowns in if you're traveling. You put them in there, the ends will fold over, and then there's straps to pull it up snug and what we always do is put it in a duffel bag we'll put clothes in the bottom of a duffel bag and then we'll put the bow that bow in that case or your takedowns in there and then put clothes on top and it protects it and when you're traveling especially worrying about people that you worry about them messing with your gear and stuff that you can't even tell that uh, we're carrying any kind of hunting gear with us or that but that that case is it's padded well um, and then I have the Arrowmaster back quiver those are the two biggest things I have the Aeromaster, it's made now so that it's pretty much a, the, the uh, material is a water-resistant material. There's a rain cover that will go over the hole down on the side where you pull arrows in and out. So if it is real bad weather or, or you're trying to keep all the pine needles out of your quiver that when you're crawling through pine trees and that, you can zip that shut. And then there's a, we call it a storm cover that goes over the top. And w- what's really good about it, especially if you're carrying carbon broadheads and stuff, uh, they're protected and don't get wet. And the material we have it on, on the outside of it now, uh, not only the re- water-resistant material, but also it's all solid and uh, plastic liner in it, which keeps keeps everything really, really dry. And then there's uh, Rod Jenkins Signature Tabs. They're really nice, made out of cordovan, and uh, a few other products we have, too, on there. I'm hopefully, I'm going to be adding some more eventually i'm working on some prototype stuff i want to do in that and uh that's at safaritough.com and you can uh i want to catch some videos of animals i've shot too i think there's some african stuff now that's on uh at safari tough on instagram uh i have my own page that i mainly i do just run myself and that's randy underscore underscore cooling on instagram and then i have a facebook page also I'm a little more active on Instagram than I am on Facebook, but also you can message me on any of those, any questions. And if you go to the website, my phone number's on there also with my email. That'll about cover that. Cool. Well, man, I appreciate you two guys coming on and uh, also the friendship as well as all the help you've been down my uh, rabbit hole of traditional archery. So thanks again for coming on. We'll have to get you guys both on here again and definitely check out uh, Traditional Vision Quest and uh, Safari Tough. Uh, if you guys get a chance for whoever's listening in. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Good talking to you. Yep, thanks, Aaron. We appreciate it. Yep, no problem at all. You guys take it easy. Take care, bud. Bye-bye.